I'm Karen. And I'm Angela. Welcome to the Within Creative Reason podcast. We break down what it means to be creative, from the process to the strategies and everything in between. We'll cover mindset, daily routines, and creative inspiration. So let's have some creative conversations. Judith Rowland is a managing supervisor in the Public Affairs and Engagement Group at Fleshman Hillard. Her areas of expertise include public affairs, campaign strategy, government relations, grassroots engagement, and coalition building. Angela, I'm really excited about this conversation with (laughs) Judith. Wow, I can't even talk. I'm so excited. I'm stumbling (laughs) over her name. Uh, But before joining Fleischman, you know, Judith worked at Global Citizen, leading U.S. policy and advocacy on issues of extreme poverty. This woman is amazing. In her role, Judith helped secure more than 100 co-sponsors on the 2014 Water for the World Act and played a key part in seeing the bill pass through both chambers and be signed into law by former President Barack Obama. She also worked in close partnership with the White House on the launch of former First Lady Michelle Obama's 62 Million Girls campaign. And additionally, she was instrumental in securing the passage of the Global Food Security Act and the Reinforcing Education Accountability in Development Act. Okay. And the unstoppable Judith continues. In 2017, she was inducted to the Missouri Hall of Fame for Public Affairs. And she also received the Missouri State University Alumni Award for Excellence in Public Affairs in 2013. And if that wasn't enough, Judith was named 30 Under 30 by the University of California for her leadership in agriculture policy. Yeah, she's lived and worked in Ghana, China, the UK, Puerto Rico. She holds an undergraduate degree in political science from Missouri State University and a graduate degree in development studies from the London School of Economics. London. My safety school. London. My safety school. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I don't know how we're going to fit all of this into one podcast, but we're going to do it. So let's have a creative conversation with Judith Rowland. Let's get back into another episode of the Within Creative Reason podcast. We have a very special guest today. We have Judith Rowland from Fleischman Hillard. She is the Managing Supervisor of Public Affairs and Engagement. Judith, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Glad to be here. Yeah, honestly, you know, just looking through your LinkedIn profile, I'm I'm just so inspired by you. Like, I'm just going to put that out there right away and make this super awkward uh, <laughs> and tell you just how amazing you are. Uh, you know, you work in public affairs and engagement. You know, for our listeners, what does that mean and, and what does your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so I'm based right now in St. Louis and I work for Fleischman Hillard, which is one of the, the biggest PR firms in the world. And my specific role is a little bit niche. It focuses on the government aspect of communication. So regulatory affairs, navigating complex political situations, leveraging grassroots and third-party partners to help reach a political impact, those kinds of things. I think for anyone in this industry, there truly is no day-to-day. I feel like we're all used to tackling really different challenges as they come up based on the industries that we work with. But um, for me, I might start my morning helping a client benchmark them against uh, competitors for what they're doing on sustainability. I might write a memo on a regulatory issue that's come up. I might spend a few hours in the afternoon following how things are 
tracking with tariffs and, and global relations. And then I might end the day with a client meeting. So it really just depends on how the, the day evolves and, and news of the day. All right. So it sounds like every day is completely different and that might be what keeps you going. Um, so Judith, Absolutely. <laughs> while, while your day is so up and down in a great way, are there any routines that you participate in perhaps in the morning? Do you have morning routines or something you do each evening or afternoon that really inspires you creatively or helps with your productivity? Yeah, I'm a big believer in some of the philosophies that Tim Ferriss has introduced. He's probably best known for four-hour work week and four-hour body. Um, And really his principle is that we can find hacks that can be integrated into our life to help us be as productive as possible, as creative as possible, as fit as possible, as healthy as possible, whatever that factor is that you're looking for. And so for me, it's constantly an iterative process. I'm always finding new things to take on. I'm dismissing techniques that just don't work for me as my lifestyle evolves, as I get older, as the kinds of things that I'm doing changes as time passes. Um, There's a few. I think one of the biggest ones for me has been sleep. Uh, I used to be one of those those people, and we all know them, who prided myself on getting very, very little sleep. I thought that I was proving my worth based on the hours that I was in the workplace. I thought that that was how I could be the most productive was to really sacrifice that time that I had in bed. But I've, I've really shifted a quarter over the last few years, and I've made myself a promise that pretty much no matter what, I get eight hours of sleep every single day and sometimes more. And what I've found is that making that investment in my own health and in my own sleep has really meant that all the time that I am at my desk, I'm doing better work. And I'm able to think a lot more creatively when I'm working um, because I'm getting that restful sleep throughout the day. The other one, and I think this is, this is a bit newer for me, is, has been exercise and fitness. Uh, I was a high school swimmer and then just took a couple years off from, from fitness. Um, I really spent most of my 20s really focused on my career and advancing my profession. And I hit a point where I realized that I was, I was lacking energy, that I, I was finding it difficult to keep up with all of the flights and all of the travel that comes with the busy professional lives that we lead. And I, I started to see that my health could be a factor in that and that if I could find a way to really jumpstart my fitness, then I might be able to be more productive in other areas of my life. So it was really hard at first, but starting January of last year, I just carved out four to five days a week, an hour-long workout. And it at first took up, felt like it took all my time, but as it became really habitual and a part of my day-to-day life, I found that it it gave me a lot more energy throughout the day. Some of the really complex challenges that would keep me up and, and I'd be thinking about all day would just get resolved really quickly as I'm lifting weights. That answer would come to me and I'd be able to, to move on it um, when I got back from the gym. So as I said, though, very iterative. There's always new things that, that I'm trying. Um, I'm always open to new ideas. I love listening to podcasts or reading blogs and coming up with new things to try, whether it's a different vitamin that I could be taking, if it's eliminating a certain food, um, anything that has been proven to be successful with others, I'm willing to give it a go. It may not work, but uh, it's worth a try. Wow. Okay. That was quite possibly the best answer. And I love your approach to self-care. So thank you for sharing all that. 
Yeah, I think about when I get a workout in in the morning. So typically, so I have a stand-up desk, which I love. I can't tell you how much I love my stand-up desk. It's <laughs> that that exciting for me, which is super nerdy. But if I if I work out in the morning, I typically stand all day. But if I don't work out, I'm usually sitting and slouching and probably not very productive. So I hear you on the workout. I think that that definitely makes a difference. And I just absolutely love, love, love that answer. And in turn, I feel like those workouts that launch you into the day help you sleep better. And then all day, you're being your best self professionally. Like you said, that that has been working for you. That's awesome. So what are some of the the ways or the things that help you stay creative? You know, I, I especially think about, you know, working in, in an industry that can be very process heavy, sometimes maybe a little bit static. You know, it's really hard to change when you're working with a government audience to change laws is a huge undertaking. So how do you stay creative working with that type of audience? I think for a lot of years, I had this perception that there were creative people and there were analytical people. And I, I was told this message through our culture that there's a very myopic view of what makes someone creative. And when people would ask me, oh, are you creative? I would always say no. And it was really only in the last five or six years that I started to see that to vision out the very best spreadsheet in the world, though that's an analytical process, can actually be a real creative endeavor. That the way that a musician can create from their mind a, a, a piece of music is in some ways very similar to how a scientist would try to answer questions about something that no one has seen or experienced in the past. And um, I, I, started to see creativity as a much more comprehensive aspect of our life, that there's ways to be creative in all of the things that we do, that ultimately creativity is about thinking about the tasks that are before us in new ways and bringing innovation to the way that we live our everyday life. So obviously arts or dance or cooking are, are classic creative tasks that, that we would all come up with if we were asked to name, you know, what's the most creative thing you could do on a weekend. But other things too, like planning out your week or, or building your agenda for the day can be a creative task as well. And so I just have found that, that anytime I'm thinking about a task before me in a new way gives an opportunity to be creative and to bring a fresh perspective to the work that I'm doing. So I would like to say that that is the reason that Angela and I started this podcast, but yep. I'm not that smart. So uh, I'm to. <laughs> but I, I just love that answer. And I think that that really hits home for Angela and I, because that's something that, you know, as we were thinking about starting this podcast, you know, that, that seems to be kind of, I don't think I put it that eloquently when we've talked, but, <laughs> but I think we should from now on. I think that is, you know, really what we're, we're talking about is that creativity doesn't have to be, you know, the arts, right? right like right. being creative is, is, you know, in the everyday and finding creativity in the everyday is really what we're hoping to help try to uncover and figure out ways to be more creative through this podcast by talking to people like the wonderful Judith, who is giving us so much insight already that, I mean, Angela. I cannot take notes fast <laughs> enough. You should see the chicken scratch. But no, this is this is awesome. And we're just getting started. Um, so Judith, I want to shift gears just a little bit and touch on social media. 
how has social media influenced you either personally or professionally and perhaps changed your view on engagement? So in some ways, I think social media has been a game changer. In other ways, it hasn't changed anything at all. Um, at, at its core, social media is just another way that we communicate. Um, instead of sending a thank you card over the mail, people might say thank you over Facebook Messenger now. It's still a message being delivered from somebody sending it and another person receiving it. Um, so in a lot of ways, to me, it, it really hasn't been different. The, the movements that we read about or talk about in the 50s or 60s, they maybe looked a little bit different, but at their core, it was people coming together to advocate for something that was different in the status quo. And that might have been a sit-in in two generations ago, but now it might be a social media campaign. And the, the tactics are different, but the outcome can be very similar. So... I think when we when we see social media as a tactic for for marketers like us, it allows us to leverage social media to reach the goals that we're going for. Um, for me personally, the value and beauty of social media is just that ability to stay in touch with people. That I can keep tabs on so many more people around the world that two decades ago probably would never have been on my radar or I would have always kind of wondered, huh, I wonder what they're doing right now. And and they wouldn't be part of my day-to-day life the way that they can now. But obviously, and, and this has been talked to death already, um, there's always that balance of being in real life versus being online. And that's something I try to stay cognizant of as well. Wow. I don't think anyone else could have answered that any better And I am so with you. There are some things that I think just in real life are so much better. I am an old school thank you card writer, (laughs) and I love that. And I might also (laughs) drop the Facebook thank you, but there's something about sitting down, handwriting it, that I think that'll just, that shouldn't ever go away. I hope it doesn't. But the convenience and the fun of social media um, can also be really helpful and exciting as well. Yeah, I mean, I think about people that that I've been able to keep in touch with that, I mean, I think about like my college roommates who don't live anywhere near St. Louis right now, you know, I mean, I can still be friends with them and pick up the phone and have meaningful conversations with them and, and also, you know, send them a nice Facebook message for their birthday <laughs> and like, like stay engaged in their lives where, you know, I mean... I'm like probably most people, I don't have time to necessarily call people all the time and they wouldn't have time to talk to me either. So it's, it's nice to stay in touch. I love that. Yeah. One just anecdote to share on that that's on my mind. Uh, my partner and Andrew and I just got back from a trip to, to Korea and there were a couple of girls that I lived with in China a decade ago now that I formed a really close friendship with. And then when we all left China to move back to our countries, um, we just weren't part of each other's day-to-day life anymore. And we, we sent each other Christmas cards or birthday cards throughout the years. And we've always, you know, commented on each other's posts, but they aren't the, the type of close friends that they once were for me. So when I knew that we were going to Korea, I said, hey, let's meet up, let's have, let's have dinner. And it was just such a, a magical thing that this friendship that two decades ago, even when my dad lived in Asia, um, he didn't keep in touch with anyone because he didn't have those online tools to be able to do that. And and it was so cool just sitting there. Uh, we actually ate 
stuffed intestines, um, which are called sundae in Korean. Um, so we're eating, we're eating this meal and I'm sitting here with like such good friends in my life that I'm able to reconnect with through social and our only common language is Chinese. So we're using online translators to help get through the messages that we've lost the words to be able to communicate. And it's this magical in real life moment that's totally facilitated by online platforms. It was so cool. Wow. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. That is that is really, really cool. I, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about travel because I know that you do travel quite a bit. You know, how does that influence your creativity? And give us a scoop. I mean, tell us about this trip. That sounds amazing. Just the, the little bit that you just shared. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. We had a, it was just a vacation. Two weeks, we went to China, Korea, and Japan. So, a lot of catching up with old friends and then seeing some historic sites and of course eating a lot. Uh, it was, it was a wonderful trip. And for me, travel is a huge piece of the creative process. Anytime that I'm encountered with a new viewpoint and new cultural element that isn't something that's part of my reality, I think it sparks a new creative energy and gets me to think differently about the world. So even like color combinations that I had never seen before on some of the palaces in Korea, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, I've never seen these colors before. And they're so beautiful together. And what could that look like for me? And what does that mean? And where do these colors come from? And why were they selected for this palace? And I go down this um, never ending list of questions that really gets me to something that, that, you know, might not have a, a specific impact for me personally or professionally, but at least um, really get that energy flowing in a way that could get me somewhere in the future. So I've, I've always found travel to be really a, a great um, catalyst for new thinking and for bringing new ideas to the table and, and just for questioning why we do the things that we do and realizing that things are different in other places. Um, you know, my, my partner and I are planning our wedding now and just thinking about how in most of the countries around the world, women do not take their partner's names. And in most of the countries around the world, you don't have a bridal party. You might have children, but that's it. So little things like that just get you to a point where you start questioning, huh, why is it that I assumed I had to do this thing? And isn't it true that other people might find different paths to get to the same solution? So I feel like, Judith, we need to be best friends. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from this conversation. Angela, I think we have a new best friend so. in Judith. Karen's going to get the necklace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> best friends forever. No, um, But yeah, I mean, I think that that is, I just, I love that answer. You know, Clint and I, we don't necessarily travel the world like that, although that's going to be now on my list of things that we should do. But that's, you know, people, we go to New York quite a bit. We try to go a couple of times a year, um, three or four, if I'm lucky, uh, because of that exact reason, because you, it's such a melting pot of all these different people and cultures. And, and so for me, that has become just a, a trip where I am kind of recharging my creativity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it sounds like I need to expand that a little bit. Yeah. I, I agree. There is something so wonderfully eye-opening about seeing the way that other cultures live. And an example, I was in Italy a couple years ago, and I noticed how fast I walked. Everyone just relaxing and strolling and no major rush. And I thought, what a quality of life is. This is amazing. 
just so calm and so relaxed. And it, it tapped me into like this thought of, okay, I need to slow down a little bit. Just like soak in the little things, have an espresso at three o'clock and see what happens. And this is why you and I are best friends. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> but the beautiful, the beautiful thing is that it really goes both ways too. Just a, a few years ago, I went to for work to Fancy Farm, which is a political rally in Kentucky, um, and Leader McConnell goes to that every year as well. And it, it it was such an interesting culture shock because at the time I was living in New York City. Here I am in small town Kentucky, like an hour outside of Paducah. And there was this massive carnival and political rally. And then in the local church, all of the people from that town had basically donated an acre's worth of their farm, the food that they had raised through the season to feed all of the people that had come into town for Fancy Farm. And I remember looking at that and just seeing these close community ties and feeling feeling that same culture shock that you talked about in Italy. Like, this is not how I live my life in New York. I can't imagine plowing an acre's worth of a field so that I could feed essentially strangers that had come to my town that may represent different political parties. I don't know. Um, it was just such a, a different way of living, and I really appreciated that and took a lot from it. Absolutely. Well, I, too, am going to add some more travel our 2020 agenda. You've inspired both of us. I think Karen and I are making a list of places that we all need to visit. Um, so Judith, I have another question and it might be my favorite one to ask creative people, but how do you balance progress with perfection? I would say I definitely sway on the progress side. Um, I think in the creative world, there's no such thing as perfection. Everything is ideative. There's always opportunities to, to grow and expand our work. And the reality is, too, that something that I think is amazing, you might think is really uninspired, and you might dismiss as bad work. Um, there is no objectivity, really, in the creative world. And so we, we, I think, are making a mistake when we focus so much on perfection that ultimately we need to be more focused on creating the right thing for the right project um, as opposed to creating perfect work all the time. And the other reality too, in my particular industry, we're very news of the day or issues driven. And so we have to respond really quickly. And I, I see some people sometimes get very caught up in wanting perfection that they miss that opportunity to weigh in and respond and they miss that that opportunity to get brand value for themselves and so sometimes we have to recognize that it may only be 90 percent and there could be some risks involved but if we need to act we need to act now and we can't focus so much on perfection if we want to get those outcomes i need to replay that every yeah. day Thank before i start my work day <laughs> There's something like your shoulders go down when you don't think that it has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like just get it out there and everything can be workable. And I was describing this the other day to someone like get the first draft of your project done. And then it's like dough. You just need it until it's how you want it. But it's going to take some time. But that first piece of it is everything. So kind of enjoying that creative process. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about nonprofits and and grassroots campaigns, especially an organization that maybe doesn't have a large media budget. You know, any advice for how to approach a creative solution for reaching a particular audience? Yeah. So before I came to St. Louis and to Fleischman Hillard, I spent my whole career in in nonprofits and you're right. There, there are those challenges of having a really ambitious goal and a really meaningful goal, but a very limited budget to achieve it. But I think sometimes that can be the most fun work that we ever face when we're passionate about something, when we know it's going to be good for the world, but we have two nickels to rub together and have to make some magic happen out of it. Um, there's some you know, normal tactics that, that big campaigns with big budgets would always go for. But when you're limited on your resources, I think it forces you into that real creative mode to think about what you can do that will help cut through the noise and make a real impact. And for me, um, I love stunts. I love showing up in surprising ways. I love pairing um, people or brands that you would not normally associate as partners together to create that real surprise element that gets people to focus and pay attention. And I've done I've done campaigns in my previous job in New York on you know a thousand dollars that have generated insane media hits, and it's it really comes down to the creative energy that was put behind it. And um, I think at the end of the day. People and, and the data proves this, that we're getting so used to ads around us that we, and particularly those younger than us, are very aware of what influencers are saying and how those things can change our behaviors. And we're starting to tune it out the way that I think our, our grandparents even tune out the ads on the television or our parents tune out the junk mail that you get in your mailbox. Um, that's kind of what's happening with a lot of those traditional platforms that brands with higher budgets will go for. So I think really whatever your budget is, finding new ways to show up is a, is a huge priority. That's awesome. I, I really like that grassroots approach. It's like when you said with that $1,000 budget, just it goes to show that even on that, with the right tactics, you can do anything. You can make big waves with maybe a, a smaller overhead. So, Judith, are there any tools that you just really love that you find help you deliver your best work? Oh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> I find I find meditation to be really useful. I use the app Calm that just helps me with refocusing my thoughts and and really getting to a place where I'm doing my best work and performing in my best way. Um, meal planning. It sounds like the least creative thing out there. I know a lot of creatives hate doing that, but I find that the more I can get the rest of my life under control, the easier it is for me to put my time and my focus into my creative pursuits. So as much as I can just literally put on autopilot and have done for me allows me to be creative and everything else that I'm pursuing. So quick question about the meal planning. Karen and I both enjoy cooking and all things culinary and creative like that. So is your meal plan more of a schedule for the week or are you actually meal prepping or both? We do a little bit of both. Um, We will start on the weekend. We'll anticipate what's coming up in the week ahead. 
Um, so more than just meals, like we'll think through what's important to us this week. What do we, what do we have to do? What do we really want to do? And then we'll look at what we know is on the calendar and, and what is, is coming our way. And we'll make sure that we have the right snacks on stock. We'll make sure that we have enough food to eat throughout the week. Uh, we like to batch cook as much as possible. So we'll make a ton of chicken dice it up, vegetables, dice them up so that when it's time to make an omelet for breakfast on a Tuesday morning, we can have it in the pan and on our plates in five minutes without having to do a lot of the chopping and the work that makes cooking um, really difficult or really, really a minute to, mm -hmm. to, to cover each day. And I found that those kinds of tactics, though they are very process-driven, um, it ensures that I'm I'm always eating healthy food, that I have enough food, that I'm not wasting anything, um, and it really allows me to focus my energy on other things and not have to think about what I'm going to eat for dinner. Yes, and imagine how much time we save when we're not wondering, and then you think of something, and then you have to go to the store and get it and prep it. It's like you've knocked all that out, and you saved a heck of a lot of time. And when you mentioned having enough snacks on hand, that's something so big we talk about in our house. We always say, equip yourself with enough to get you through the day so you're never stuck. Whether it's trail mix or Tylenol, whatever you might need, <laughs> just pack your little bag and take on the day. Yeah, and shout out yeah. our Calm app, too. Yes. I love the Calm app. I actually really love the sleep story. And so that's like Nick Offerman does one that I just, I love. And so I listen to that maybe once a week. It is just lovely. So I don't know if you've that's checked out the, the sleep stories, but they're pretty good on the Calm app. I really enjoy <laughs> it. And I feel like the meditation has been something that many guests have said helps them kind of just get centered and get grounded and yeah. eliminate a lot of stress. Yeah. And that's something I haven't actually started. I mean, like I said, I have the Calm app and I mainly use it for the sleep stories at night, but I should really get into the meditation side. So I'm inspired. That's going to be great. We like the insight timer. Ooh. And that's great because you can pop on if you have one minute or you have a hundred minutes and what's the vibe? Are you stressed out or do you want something to help you sleep? So mm -hmm. there's just, there's literally something for everybody. So thanks for sharing those awesome tactics, Judith. Yeah. And I, I find too that it's hard to get started with new habits, and I, I think everyone will say that um, you know taking on a, a new challenge or a new year can sometimes be difficult. But I just try to, for each month, that what that intention might be, what that goal might be, one thing I'm adding, one thing that I'm subtracting, and I commit to it for just a month. So um, I got really into chanting a few years back, opening your diaphragm in the morning, just getting your vocal cords ready for the day. It was really cool. I really, really liked it. And I took it on for a month and I, I wound up continuing past then. But there's been other things that I'll try it for the month and then I'll just say, uh, I don't I don't know if this is for me. But that, that short-term commitment, I think, is much easier to take on and it really allows you to test something out and know if it will work for you. Because taking on 20 new habits at once is just really hard for, for most people, me included. It doesn't really set you up to succeed when yeah. it feels like you're stressing yourself out trying to be superwoman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. What, uh, you know, since we are on a podcast, mm -hmm. and I know that you like to listen to podcasts, so what are some of your, your favorites right now? What are some of the podcasts that you just can't live without? Yeah, oh gosh, there's so many. And a lot of it just depends on kind of how I'm feeling for the day. 
I've gotten into lately HBR's Women at Work. It covers a wide range of different topics that women might face in the workplace. I've found that to be really good. Um, this isn't this isn't unique to me, I'm sure, but NPR is how I built this. I find some of the stories that the entrepreneurs that they interview, uh, that they bring to the table are just so interesting. What they've experienced, how they've overcome, um, how they vision the world ahead of them and built their businesses to fit that vision, I think is, is just amazing. And then Freakonomics Radio, for me, has been a mainstay for a really long time. Um, the challenges or questions that they take on, most of them I've never even thought of before, but they go so into depth and they, they cover those questions so comprehensively that I always learn something new from anything that they cover. And then I love trying new things as well. So anytime a friend uh, tells me of a podcast that they like, I'll, I'll download an episode. I'll listen to it, just speed it up a little bit, um, use that as my drive home. And take that opportunity to learn something new. I mean, podcasts are such a cool medium because you can, you can literally learn something new and experiencing something different in just 30 minutes. And it's so different from reading a book or making a commitment to a conference and that you can really dabble and, and see if you're interested in something. All right. I'm jotting all of those down. <laughs> so Judith, speaking of the HBR podcast, have you heard of one called IdeaCast? I haven't, but sounds good. I'll That's check it out. My new obsession. One of our first guests on the show recommended it. And again, what people like you recommend, I'm like writing them down and I'll download them tonight. But that one's been a blast. I've been kind of binge listening to that one. <laughs> I don't I've downloaded have it already. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't um I haven't listened to anything very sophisticated lately, but I I am loving the Office Ladies podcast for fans of the Office TV show with Jenna Fisher, St. Louisan. So, yes. uh her and Angela Kinsey have a podcast where they're rewatching all the episodes of The Office. So, if you're looking for something to just chill out and not think about anything for a while, theirs is is highly entertaining, especially if you like The Office. They give you all the behind the scenes, how they shot episodes and all all kinds of just interesting trivia so I've been really getting into that one yeah and no judgment that sounds like an incredible <laughs> podcast I'm downloading that too gosh another you- one and this is super lowbrow but I'm gonna say it anyway uh Cosmopolitan and Tender have a new podcast talking about dating and relationship issues when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's for me, but I listened to a few episodes and there's some really interesting stories that come out. So on days where I just want to unwind, I don't want to learn. Um, I want to just hear something interesting. I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll tune into that one. And I found some, some really cool stuff that way. Oh, I bet. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> yes, it does. I'm all over that. I'm going to download that one tonight for sure. It's totally <laughs> fine to go from the Harvard Business Review yeah. to Cosmo and Tinder. It's fine. Absolutely. Got to have variety in <laughs> your life. 100%. So. <laughs> wow. Judith, we cannot express what a pleasure this has been to sit and just pick your brain. Thank you for your time and for your wisdom. Yes, thank you. And Thank you. I know everyone else was inspired by you. So where can we keep up with you and see what's shaking and what's on the horizon for you? Yeah, probably the best spot is either LinkedIn, Judith Rowland, or on Instagram, I'm at Judith J. Rowland. At Judith J. Rowland. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes for sure. So if you're listening and you want to follow Judith, just go to those show notes uh, and we'll link to it. Absolutely. 
And honestly, if anyone listening is interested in being a guest or you know someone who is just interesting and wildly creative, check out the website, drop us a note. We'd love to chat with you. And also, while you're there, feel free to subscribe. And if you're feeling really generous, give us a rating. Yes, absolutely. Someone besides my mom could rate us. Yeah, you know, that mine would be too. Incredible. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> get my. Um, I think it's my dad's turn this week, okay. right? Okay, my gonna... dad too. <laughs> well, again, that wraps up another wildly inspiring episode of Within Creative Reason. Thanks for listening to the Within Creative Reason podcast with Karen Tomer and Angela Hockman. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and be sure to subscribe. Know anyone who would make a great guest? Go to WithinCreativeReason.com for more info. Stay tuned. Karen and Angela will be back with more creative conversations in the next episode.